in to another Invest Well show with your host, Michael Wall, and, to- and joined, I should say, as well by Mr. Randy Cook. That's right. Hello. I'm back. He's back from his uh, fishing excursion in uh, northern Canada. Didn't fall off. Didn't go to the North Pole. Nope. Visit Santa Claus nope. along the way. And However, I now look like Santa Claus. I decided not to shave while I was in Canada because every, okay. nobody, nobody shaves in Canada. <laughs> exactly. And uh, so I came it's back. too much work. Yeah. And then when I came back, usually my wife says, shave that off. And then right this, now. this time she looked at me, she goes, that looks good. Keep mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of got a little scruffy look to me right now. You're, you're moving in the right direction, and that's you're joining my party. I've been doing a scruffy <laughs> look for a little while now, Randy. You know, so it's all good. Well, hey, we're gonna have a great show today. Great podcast talking about something that you may be a little bit familiar with. You might be a lot familiar with. You may not be familiar with at all. But it's uh, really diving into the benefits and disadvantages of private equity. And you know, private equity is something that we. Uh, have the ability to utilize with families that we work with in our financial planning as we create plans and things for families. Many of you know, a little side note, also the sponsor of the show is uh, Wall Companies, which is Wall Private Wealth, Wall Wealth Management, which is the one company that actually does the financial plans. And then we have Wall Lehman. And all those companies are designed to help families protect, grow, and reduce taxes on their wealth. And by the way, if you want to learn more about those companies and how we've helped families over the years, you can go to Lean on the Wall, Lean on the Wall, just as it sounds, dot com. But, you know, Randy, private equity is something that a lot of people out there, maybe they've heard of, but typically the wealthier families that we've visited with and seen and kind of worked with over the years, they have an idea and they're obviously utilizing and, and maybe even just a small amount of utilization, but they have somewhat of an inkling there. And But there's a lot of people out there that just don't have any idea what it is. Maybe you so should define that a little bit here. Yeah, I thought we'd touch on it and talk about it because, you know, the part of the goal is to help people, help you, the listener, really be in a situation where you can have ideas to help you make some nice returns over time and help with that process. Nothing's perfect, obviously, but be in a situation where you can be more educated so you can make better decisions. I'm a big believer, Randy, that you know, good choices and good decisions initially come from getting better information. And and it's like anything else. It's the foundation. Well, I think we find that with everything that we do in life. How much research do you do before you go on vacation or buy a TV or buy a car or anything like that? But I wonder how many people put as much effort into their investments. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, you know, talking about buying a TV, I typically, the research that I do is hoping that I get a parking spot close to the front of Best Buy. <laughs> and then I walk into the store. And buy the biggest thing you can find. Correct. <laughs> okay. That is my research. Okay. okay? So that's you. how that's how I do it. I don't know about you, but that's been my story. But no, you're, you're right. I mean, people are in a situation where they'll put a little more time in. And you've probably seen yourself as you're listening to this out there. You're like, you know, yeah, I'm guilty. Raising your hand, hopefully not while you're driving in the car. But, you know, I'm guilty of that. I've, I've put more time and effort into... Other things, you know, planning the the football game, the tailgating around the football game for your alma mater or, you know, taking a trip with your family or whatever it may be. And when it comes to your investments, you're kind of like, well, you know, I think somebody's handling that for me or I'm doing that myself. And you don't really fully know what's going on. I, it's amazing to me, Randy, how many people that we see that we connect with with the wall companies, you know, as we've helped them protect, grow, reduce taxes on their wealth, families 
That is, over the years, how many people come in, sit down for a second opinion on their wealth, private wealth review, and they're talking about things, talking about what they're doing financially, and they're kind of un- we're kind of uncovering what their story is, and they're like, you know, I don't really know why I do what I do. I just kind of mm-hmm. met with so-and-so, and that's what they said, and that's what we do. Yeah. You've talked about this a lot in the past, that everything within your investment plan should have a purpose. Yeah. And if your idea of why you are in gold or you're in this particular stock or this kind is because somebody told me I should be there maybe there should be a little more logic to it. Yeah, you definitely want to think through it. And I'll tell you, it can be very overwhelming if you're just one that says, you know, I'm just going to go out and I'm going to Google a bunch of stuff. And I'm going to try and learn this. I'm gonna... Nothing wrong with that. I commend the idea of going out and learning things. But at the end of the day, we want to be at a place where um, we really are understanding a little bit more about why we're doing what we're doing and what that actually looks like. So, let me just kind of give you a broad brush, I guess, general definition of private equity, if you're not familiar with this, or again, maybe you are, but maybe not super familiar. Private equity is a general rule. It's, it's typically the idea of investors at some level, whether it's uh, retail style investors or institutional style investors, essentially directly investing into private companies. So these are companies that are not on the stock market. They have not went through the process of facilitating an IPO, which is an initial public offering, so that way they can be listed on an exchange. That exchange might be, many have heard of, the New York Stock Exchange, as an example, is the most popular one. The NASDAQ is another one, and then there's other exchanges throughout the world. But these are companies, so the private equity is investing into companies that are not on any public exchange. They are private companies, okay? So they're not in a situation where you're going to be hearing Jim Cramer or anyone else, really, for that matter, talk about this company in the market and the stock was up today or stock was down tomorrow or stock was whatever. And we want to be in a situation where that's what we're doing. We're we're actually investing into companies that are private. You know, some of those companies could be like a lawn doctor or a polyform or, you know, other companies that you've heard names of before, Dairy Queen or, you know, other things before they've kind of gone and went public. There's others back in the day where you know investors are investing in. These are all companies that have opportunity, they have balance sheets, and there's different levels of private equity. You know, Some levels of private equity might be in the place where if you're invested in a, a private equity, you might be dealing with a firm that goes in and they buy, you know, their MO is buying certain percentages of the companies. Maybe it's 20, 30, 40%, and they just want part of the company because they think it's a great growth play. Typically, when we're in a situation where we're utilizing private equity in the financial plan. Typically, Randy, we're in a place where we want to be, to some degree, majority owners. You know, we want somebody that's, in other words, we find, we work with and align ourselves with other organizations that are doing really a great job at this. And they're going out and they're buying majority ownerships in different companies. And so by that, I mean, let's just say, you know, it is a lawn doctor or another company like that is an example, right, of a company that you'd want to invest in. Well, you know, if you're going to invest in that company, don't you want the current leadership and, and the regime, if you will, of that company to stay if they've done a good job and they've made money? Typically, that makes sense. So, we're you know, we're kind of looking for opportunities where you go in and you're literally in a place where you're buying maybe a, a majority ownership of that company, maybe 55, 51, 55, 60, 67, whatever percent ownership of a company, but the CEO and the leading figureheads, if you will, of that company are staying on board. You well, know, the remi- last thing this reminds wanna- me of Shark Tank is what you're saying. <laughs> well, yeah. In a sense, that's what you're doing. <laughs> well, yeah, that's exactly right. And, and I would say one of the differences, Randy, is, you know, with Shark Tank, you're in a place where you walk in, you got the music, you got the big drama, 
Well, it's probably like when you walk in the room. I mean, you know, you get it's like you got the music playing. People are like, Randy has come to town, baby. <laughs> but you know, I mean, you're you're right. I mean, with Shark, one of the differences though is you know with Shark Tank, some of these ideas are just that mm-hmm. they're an idea, mm-hmm. right? Like this is you people show up and like, hey, this is our first prototype of this product, and we really think the market's gonna for some research we've done. We really, you know, and you have some of that, right? But then you also have other companies that have been around for a little while and they've they've made some profits and they just need a little bit of a boost, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of like you. You've been around for a while. Sometimes you need a boost. <laughs> I need a boost. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Get that boost out. But the, the idea on Shark Tank is that they're going to somebody for expertise yeah. in order to make their company better. Basically, you're talking about people who are just monetizing. They're, they're putting money into this company company that needs money. Yeah, so you look at a company that's got a certain uh, you know size potential currently, and there's room for growth. There's a mm-hmm. significant room for growth, and, and some of the reasons that companies don't grow to the extent that they would like to grow at is a lot of times it just boils down to capital. Mm-hmm. You know, they just don't have the funding and the finances to be able to do that. And so as they're running their business, you know, a lot of their day to day revenue might be going into running the business and they might be very, very profitable, but they don't have the profitability. You know, as an example, Lawn Doctor just bought several other complementary companies. Okay. One company is an example that does pest control and some other things like that. Well, that's right in their lane. They're already there at the home, they're already doing lawns. And now they're in a place where they're saying, hey, by the way, we can help you get rid of pests and things like that, too. So it's just complementary type situations. And so sometimes these companies want to grow by acquiring other, we'll call it household or similar style brands that have a complementary product, but they just don't have the capital to do it. Got it. Or they have the ability to, you know, launch and be in a place where they say, you know, we really believe there's a demand in 45 new markets for this particular company. And there's no real brand. And again, I'm picking on Lawn Doctor as an example because that's one of the companies inside of some of the private equity that we've worked with. But at the end of the day, why is that important? Well, you know, that company a little bit is is a little bit recession resistant. It's not recession proof, but it's recession resistant because a lot of times when a recession happens, Randy, you know, you'll find that in some of the major crashes out there economically, like in 2008, right? Mm -hmm. Those years and those seasons are oftentimes periods of time where you see entrepreneurship on the rise. Now, that may sound odd, right? Oh, my goodness, the economics are low, whatever. But entrepreneurship, the reason it's on the rise a lot of times is because people have lost their jobs. Mm -hmm. But yet they still have bills to pay. They still have things they need to do. And so they need to create revenue or income from somewhere. And that's where people start to get creative. You know, a little side note, by the way, it's interesting, Randy, I think if we would all find ourselves in a place where we would take away the safety nets of life, we would actually probably walk closer to the purpose that we were actually really created for, right? But it's like anything, you know, you talk about fruit, you know, you get squeezed, you see what's inside, right? Mm-hmm. Same way with what happens with these rough economic times. People actually step out, not because they want to step out and take the risk, but because they have to. So you got these Joe lunch buckets or other people that want to go out and start a business. And Lawn Doctor is relatively inexpensive to start a franchise, right? Mm-hmm. You get a truck, you get some hose, you get some different things, and you, the buy into the franchise is relatively inexpensive based on other franchises. And how many people have grass? <laughs> Most. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, unless you live in Arizona, <laughs> right. right, or the desert. 
but or, you know so don't maybe do it there <laughs> maybe it's good there because they want grass and they want to keep it but at the end of the day you're in a place where you know it's a demand product it's fairly inexpensive and people are in a place where yeah there's ebbs and flows but the point is is now that they've brought in other arms like pest control or other some other things in general you know if you're in a place where the markets have crashed or whatever and you got spiders coming in your house you're probably going to take care of that, that be- that's become a priority so my first question as you go through this, Michael, is how do you find out about who these companies are that are looking for the capital, that are looking to expand, that it takes yep. somebody who is on the inside track of that information? It does. And, you know, we've partnered with several different companies. When I say partner, that's probably a loose word. What I really mean by that is we've researched several different true private equity companies that we can be in a place where they, we can kind of lean a little bit on their research and their history. There's companies that we work with, Randy, that have been in the industry 20, 30, 40 years. This is what they do. Private equity is their MO, right? Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of these companies might have a $5 million minimum. So that's an FYI. Some of them have a $5 million minimum. We have actually been in a situation because of some of the volume and some of the things that we're doing, even with some of the families that we're working with, that you don't have to have $5 million in order to get into some of these things. So by the way, if you a little side note, if you have a question about some of that and what is the minimum, how do you get in, how does that work, is it even appropriate for you? A little side note there is you can go to leanonthewall.com and you can reach out to a team member and we can talk through that, obviously, to see if it's even appropriate. But these companies have been researching and involved in deal after deal after deal of private equity for a long time, 20, 30, 40 years and the teams that we've kind of aligned with in, in getting research information from and, and looking at incorporating to some degree in the financial plans that we use for families that we're helping, Randy, they're in a place where they're researching, they have teams that are researching 30, 40, 50, 100 deals every couple months, mm-hmm. you know, and evaluating what these deals are. It's like anything else. It's like, think about it like this. If you're in a situation where you're going on a vacation, or you're traveling, you're going to take a road trip for 10 hours, right? And you're going to go stay at a hotel. If I said, well, where do you think you might stay along the road? And you go to the hotel. Well, somebody might say, well, I might stay at a Marriott property, or I might stay at a Hilton property, or I might say, in other words, these are recognizable names. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Sure. I'm taking a detour for a minute to answer kind of this and help explain this. But if somebody's in a place where, let's say a mom and pop has a really good hotel Mm -hmm. that has done really well over the years, Uh, It's profitable. It's making some pretty good money, but they want to get out. They want to be done, right? They've done a good job of keeping up their property or maybe it needs some TLC, but it's, it's got some room for growth, right? Well, someone like that might reach out to a Marriott or they might reach out to a Hilton to say, hey, listen, we know that you're in the hotel business, (laughs) right? We know that you do this job and this game pretty well. We'd like to entertain talking about our company. We'd like to sell this hotel to you, right? Similarly, on the private equity side, there's companies that all they do, number one, is they do research. There's data and information that you can buy and resource and find out there to kind of find who these companies are, who these private companies are, who's profitable, what things look like, et cetera. But then there's also the flip side where if you've been in the game long enough, you know, some of these companies that are private, that are solid, eventually you're in a place where it's almost like getting a referral, right? They're in a place where they're saying, hey, we know we've heard your name. We know who you are. We know that you invest in companies and we'd like to grow. We'd like to show you our proposition of who we are, what our designs and goals are. But we need some capital in order to do it. Right. And then a partnership's created and that creates the opportunity for individual investors that we end up serving as we help create a financial plan for folks coming in. Maybe they've sold a company or they're retiring and rolling a 401k or, you know, whatever it may be. Or maybe they just want a second opinion on their wealth. 
and they're coming in and saying, I want something different than just the stock market in my portfolio. What is available? And then we start to have that conversation. So I don't know if that answered your question, but it that's kind of how yeah. some of these things are found. Got it. Love it. Okay. So let, one other question here. So investing in a company that wants to grow, mm -hmm. is this also have something to do with franchising as well? There's, there's companies out there that you never knew wanted to franchise. They need the capital to franchise and they're looking to expand along those lines. Does private equity have something to do with that as well? Well, it certainly can. I mean, it doesn't have to be exclusive to that, but it certainly can. Obviously, you know, it's the old idea of rinse and repeat, right? I mean, if something is done well, what we know is people are people are people. And if they buy a certain product, and this obviously this is evidenced in the testing of just flat out the phenomenon of the internet, right? I mean, people are in a place where if they'll go to the store and buy a product, they'll probably buy that product online. There's people in Miami and San Francisco and New York and Michigan and Atlanta and Texas and you know, Indiana and Taiwan and China and Japan, well, all these other places in the world that are literally buying the same type product, same T-shirts, same shoes, same whatever. But what's happened, obviously, through the Amazon phenomenon, as an example, is they've condensed and increased their distribution opportunity of the same product all over the world, okay, which has caused... Uh, not only increased demand, because more and more people see it and people follow people, it's just the way it is, but then also more distribution and increased profit. So yes, franchising is something that happens. I have a friend right now as an example that has a company, I won't mention the name, but it's kind of a healthy, fast, casual kind of a feel. And uh, they are really, really expanding. They have now, I think, 12 locations. Their goal is to get to a larger number of 25 to 30 because they've been having conversations with other larger franchised companies, food companies, which I won't mention their names either. But the deal is, is they get to a certain number of stores and they create sustainability and they show that their footprint is real. Then this larger company will then come in and buy them out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, one of the things that you got to think about when you take a look at that and we look at investing in general, when you look at private equity, you know, we started out the show, Randy, talking about the good and bad of private equity. Well, the, I'm going to start with the good initially. The good of private equity is, you know, these investments or these companies are off market. So they are not listed on, a, on an exchange. They are not subject to the ebbs and flows of the market going up and the market going down. When Trump sends out a tweet that, you know, we're going to have tariff issues or trade issues or everything's resolved or whatever happens, those tweets don't necessarily, depending on the industry these companies are in, they don't necessarily directly affect the company because oftentimes if a stock's on the market and there's negative information, whether the Fed's going to raise rates or not, whatever, it can affect stock markets ebb and flow. Whereas these companies are private. They're chugging along. They're doing their thing. I mean, it's like, think about somebody renting an apartment, Right. Well, if they wanted to stay in their property, even if the market crashed and even if that building that they were in was devalued by 15 or 20 percent, the only way they could stay in their apartment was by paying their rent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just the way it is. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So with these companies that are off market, they're providing oftentimes the companies that we are aligning with or that we have that are buying into the financial plan, typically these companies have some sort of importance in families day in and day out lives. They're also uh, typically companies that are inexpensive type services, which a lot of these inexpensive type services oftentimes are the last to go. You know, if you've got a very expensive service or a very expensive club membership or whatever it may be in markets tank, by the masses, people are going to start to figure out and think through what is important to me and what isn't. Going to have a $120 steak dinner at a club that I'm paying $20,000 a year for, 
Now, a lot of people from the wealth perspective that we work with, they're going to keep those memberships because it doesn't matter to them. They have enough money and it's, it's no big deal. But by the masses, they're going to evaluate those things. So that's what we want to look at. So one of the benefits of private equity is, is you're literally in a place where you are investing in private companies that are not subject to the ebbs and flows of the market. And they're not subject to shareholders saying, you know, you got to do things a certain way. There's a lot of value there. But that's one of the reasons, by the way, that Elon Musk wants to take his company from a publicly traded company back private. Mm -hmm. Because there's things that he wants to do, and he's tired of being dictated by the day-to-day shareholders. So the benefit of a private company is it can be more nimble. It can go down directions and do things and, and go after opportunity that exists in ways that sometimes public companies can't, which can often actually result in some really, really nice returns. I mean, if you look at the research, Randy, a lot of the private equity opportunities that we've seen have been strong double-digit returns, annual returns, net of all fees. And that's just real. We got data and research that backs that up. So that's what we've seen. What are some of the negatives of private equity? Well, some of the negatives are, you know, sometimes this is an investment that was traditionally held out for wealthier investors. You know, the minimums can be higher. And that's why, you know, if you're in a place where you got questions about this, you can reach out to our team and find that out. So that's one negative. Another negative is that oftentimes these investments can be a little bit longer term. They can be a little bit of a longer hold instead of a market investment and investment in the stock market where you buy a stock today, you can sell it out, you know, soon if you want. You can sell it tomorrow, really, if you want, right? These investments you buy in and you're going to be in for a period of time. You're going to be in for four, five, six, seven, eight years, maybe longer, maybe 10 years, you know, as a general rule of thumb. But if you've done your research and the companies that you're involved with are quality and they're performing and they're producing results, you know, I guess the question really is, is why would you want to exit anyways? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does that make sense? Absolutely. So when you look at all of those things, time really becomes less important. And when you're in a place where you have a certain amount of wealth, you know, you only allocate a certain percentage to this kind of investment anyways. The other thing that I really like, Randy, I'll say is as far as a positive, you know, the companies that we've kind of connected with that will incorporate in the financial plan, typically they're in a place where they are actually when they invest into a company, they're investing into majority, as I mentioned earlier, majority shares ownership of the company. So, you know, we're controlling the majority of the shares with the CEOs and everybody else typically staying on board, which means that we have controlling power of the company. We're not going in and we're only buying, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20% of a company. And then we get, you know, the, the investors get whipsawed around because, decisions are being made that we didn't necessarily agree with or that are against the original plan of the company growth model in the first place, right? So we want to have majority ownership in these processes in these companies. So that way we can say, okay, listen, we can never have the rug pulled out from under us because somebody's making a decision because there's now this new CEO down the road for whatever reason that doesn't align with the core beliefs of the company. Very important things when you're looking at private equity. So there you have it. Now you are familiar with uh, private equity a little bit more than you were when we started. And Randy, you know, your weighing in today was tremendous. Thank you for all your vast information. Yeah, I say things like, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, we all we all are in our different lane. I'm learning. I'm learning. Yeah, that's a good thing. That's yeah. a good thing. But this is really a big deal. And it's something that can be a nice 
fit from time to time if it's appropriate, obviously, for portfolios. So I would challenge you that if you want some more information or some white paper information about private equity, we do we certainly do have some information there at our firm level. So if you want to go head over to leanonthewall.com and there's a place there where you can send an email or if you're right there and you got your you know phone up or computer up or whatever and you just want to send an email directly to info, I-N-F-O, at leanonthewall.com and just say, I just had a couple quick questions about private equity. We can get you some information. Be aware that when our team does respond, they may ask some qualifying questions just to determine whether or not it's even appropriate for you to get information. Obviously, it's got to be the appropriate type of person getting info about this. But it's a great thing, and it's something that you need to be thinking about. I think if you got a couple million dollars in your portfolio or more, in my opinion, Randy, this is definitely something that you got to be thinking about as far as a piece of your overall financial plan. So, hey, thanks so much for tuning in for the InvestWell show today. I hope this was beneficial. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love your ratings, five-star rating, obviously, and comments on what you loved about the show or even what you'd like to hear more on the InvestWell show when it comes to your investments. Because at the end of the day, this whole show is designed to help you invest well so you can live well, live on purpose so you can live with purpose, the ultimate goals in life. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next show. By contacting us, we'll review aspects of your retirement portfolio to include suggestions about how to best utilize stocks, bonds, life insurance, annuities, and other financial products, or if changing management styles is appropriate for your specific needs and objectives. Michael Wall is an investment advisor representative of Wall Wealth Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments can fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Financial professionals are not licensed in all 50 states. To find out if Michael Wall is licensed in your state, please call 888-511-9255. Wall Wealth Management, LLC, is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Michael Wall, NPN Insurance License Number 7330010.